Running wild with Christine, sex, success, and other slippery rabbit holes. Welcome to episode 83 with Fiona McCoss. Hi, Fiona. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for letting me invade your little cabin in the woods weekend. I know, it's okay. You're, it's so worth it. Oh, My fire's so- going, I've just had a cup of coffee. It's all good. Life Perfect is good. Weekend. I'm still coffeeing, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you and I don't really have anyone in common other than like our Instagram lives that intertwine, mm-hmm. and we both. So you saw my post or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, because I connected with one of your recent podcast guests, uh, mm. Sarah a few weeks ago and we met up in Victoria where I'm currently living and then I saw that you two did your little thing together and I was like wow that's so cool yeah and then you liked it and I was like oh I'm gonna follow this person who is this and then you're like hi I was like hi yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have things in common <laughs> it's so good it's the joy this I mean I'm having a bit of a battle with social media right now but that is a good example of how it is incredible and how it works to yeah. connect like-spirited people together and to spread the message and yeah no matter how much we we fight against it we use it for this reason <laughs> yeah absolutely it's incredible how many people that you connect with over social media that otherwise your paths never would have crossed ever no, no. I know and I think that's like I had this like conversation with my mom in Cuba at Christmas and she was like oh they met online like you know my mom's like really modern and young so this is very unlike her but um she was like oh can't you just put your phone down and look at the people around you I was like do you realize that this is the people around you like this is the same amount of the people around you as the ones in the bar like just more of them (laughs) it's just a different world now you know and it it can seem so antisocial to be on your phone all the time my partner has the same little digs at me as well he's very like off grid hardly connected um but I'm more social and it's like that's how I communicate with people is through my phone you know I don't necessarily have a big network of people around me especially because I've been moving so often so my phone or social media is like crucial to have those connections same I'm the same Um, I think it's it's funny when that those two kinds of people collide, you know, when your social is, is close to you and, and physically and geographically, like you have your people versus when you're the one who's like been zooming around the planet and then you're like, but, 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 but I can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so let's backtrack, Fiona. Where yes. are you from? So I'm originally from the UK. I'm half Scottish, half Welsh. So a lovely Celtic mix. Um, yeah, but I left the UK about four years ago now to go traveling and was on my way to Australia, never made it to Australia, went traveling in Asia, ended up meeting a guy from Iowa who's my current partner and the rest is history. Ended up doing the digital nomad thing for a while and kind of following him around love struck with a backpack on <laughs> and just traveling the world. And then, yeah, ended up in Victoria and... Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, that was like four years all condensed into a very short amount of time. But originally from the UK, and I over the last year, I've especially had like a huge pull to go back to my roots. And so now in March, I will be heading back. And we're going to try and get my partner a visa. 
And yeah, I think it's important to kind of go back and spend time with my family and bring all the magic that I've learned and accumulated over the last four years back to the UK where I think it's so needed. Yeah. I think we're, we're a people very much still stuck in our very British ways. And so I was going to say, what a day to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that, you know, it's so funny because I literally only found out about that last night. I'm so con- disconnected. Like we don't have a TV or we, yeah. barely, I don't use my phone for news. Yeah. It's kind of ignorance is bliss. A lot of the time I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then my dad sent through like, the Brexit Independence Day I was like what I was like wow it's finally happened like I left the UK when it had just been voted thinking oh, I'll sort itself out in a few months and then every time I went back I was like it's people are still talking about it it's crazy it's um, a crazy time but- um I'm gonna go back again <laughs> in time <laughs> so what was your childhood like did you grow up in a small town or um no we actually Grew up all around the world. Um, I only really lived in the UK from the age of 13. Uh, my dad's job took us all over the place. So I was actually born in Holland and then lived in the Middle East, went down to Argentina and then back to Holland. And my dad got sent to Nigeria. And then that was at a point where my parents were like, yeah, I think you need some stability and some schooling. We were all kind of getting to an age where kind of a bit more stability was important. And so we went to a boarding school. I say we, me and my two brothers went to a boarding school in Scotland. And then that's kind of what kind of stuck the stake in the ground of like, okay, now we're, now we're British. Cause before I felt very international, yeah. had an accent that was like all over the place. Like even now people sometimes think I, I'm Australian. <laughs> Yeah, I heard the Scottish right away, but then I was like, hmm, it's mixed in with a bunch of... <laughs> yeah, and my partner's from Iowa, so, and having lived in Canada for the last few months, it's like there's definitely that North American twang in there yeah, as well. Yeah, 100%. Which mine is, funny. is Mine is the same as you, like, if, if I go back to Europe, because I grew up in Switzerland, um, oh. if I go back to Europe, it my original British accent, just so, British international IB kid kind of vibe of accent just comes back and everyone's like oh what's happening what this is my original one i've been in canada for too long um but um what so your your parent your dad moved a lot moved you guys a lot was it like a strict like family surrounding or was it very much like free-flowing like what kind of because usually people who move their kids around a lot are like military or like super no it wasn't military but we did live um yeah no not military uh there was only really one place that we kind of lived in a group of other international families but other than that we were just kind of like we would just have a house in like when we're in argentina we lived in a suburb outside of Buenos Aires and we went to like a Spanish school that was half English and Spanish so we're very much like immersed I would say there but other uh, otherwise it was mainly like international or British schools so we were still very connected to not yeah yeah not like fully immersed in the culture yeah Yeah. um like we we spoke we had like Dutch lessons when we lived in Holland. We didn't go to like a Dutch yeah. school, you know, we went to an yeah. international school that did. But um, no, I'm at the time when we were moving, it was very 
difficult in a way because it'd be every two or three years that we'd have to out roots and go and it was hard because you just made friends and then you have to leave your friends and they're like your best friends and then you go to a different country and then you make new best friends and then you have to yeah. leave them but now I'm so thankful for those experiences because it's made me like who I am now like I very much still feel it every three years I have like the itch to yeah. like, move along. where else can I go now like where can I move so what did you do after boarding school so after boarding school, I moved to, I went to uni yeah. in Birmingham in England because we went to a very rural boarding school in the middle of, in like Persia in Scotland. It was very like Harry Pottery without the magic, but <laughs> <laughs> very old, very like, yeah, I mean, I think girls had only been in there for about 11 years, 7 or 11 years or something like that. So it was very still kind of like a patriarchal institute yeah. of like lots of boys, lots of rules. The girls kind of, it, anyway, I struggled with it. Um, my brothers loved it. So I couldn't wait to kind of escape that bubble and go to a big city. And so I, I went to Birmingham and had like an incredible time at university, like barely did any work really and just got into the underground music scene and like what were you studying shop uh english and italian yeah so artsy kid <laughs> so yeah and i was like shopping in all the like vintage shops and i went through like stages of having like giant 80s like shoulder paddy looks and like yeah it was so much fun and then in my third year i got to spend a year abroad in rome so that like scratched my traveler's itch. itch yeah um yeah, it was amazing. And then after that, I went to London because I just thought that's what everybody does. Everybody goes to London to make it as a writer, which is what I wanted to be at the time. And thankfully, my dad had a flat there so I could go and like crash. I was basically unemployed for nine months because it's such a ridiculous place to try and <laughs> yeah, it is. get a job and how much it costs. And obviously, that was kind of like coming out of the recession and yeah. like all the kids leaving uni were just like hopeless unless you're really in a vocational job we were just yeah you know I don't know if you've ever had to do internships and you'd just yeah. be doing millions of internships unpaid until you'd hopefully yeah one of them would decide to keep you on or something yeah because how old are you I'm 31 yeah so we're the same age so this is like right after 2008 yeah. like the worst time to graduate yeah. from anything Mm -hmm. um and so what did you end up working as eventually? so I got a job after I think I did like three or four internships and then I got a job um in a re high street retailers but e-com so doing like the content because I just wanted to be a writer I was like so like watched like Carrie Bradshaw you know had her in my mind I was like I just want to be in fashion I just want to write and I just want to be cool and do all that I was like so delusional I'm like emphatically nodding because I'm like yep mm -hmm, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally like, <laughs> Hi. I, yeah do you find her extra annoying now have you watched Sex in the City since then no I haven't I watched it like recently not recently a couple years ago um Ha like some I was at someone's house who had a TV and um and I was like oh my god she's annoying <laughs> she's so annoying she's she's <gasps> she's oh god and I'm I don't like, think I like her character now um it it seems quite like weak yeah exactly it, like back yeah. then it sounded so revolutionary and independent you know it was just like who goes and now you're like yeah. no, no thanks <laughs> just so I want to like shake her shoulders to be like 
oh, yeah. make a decision or do something for yourself. Like, stop weeping about boys. <laughs> 100%. Oh, my God. That's so funny. So, yeah, you went into e-commerce and then... Yeah, so I was in, like, the fashion world for, like, two years. And then it was very on, you know, this is back when I cared about, like, career and money and being corporate and, like, ticking all the boxes that society want you to tick. And then had a boyfriend at the time who was very much, like, um, money is important, status is important. And so I met him as I was transitioning into a new job um, and gave myself a huge pay rise, hopped up a few steps on the ladder, went way more corporate into like the tourism realm of content writing and was in that for like nearly three years. And then I was like, fuck this, I need to go traveling. <laughs> Yeah, so how do you how do you snap out of it? I had it like a huge when I was so when I was with this guy, I bought a house, Whoa. had a mortgage, moved out of London to this place that was like a commuter yeah, hub city. And we lived in this massive, like four story house meant for a family. Like I'd never want children, never wanted children, and I think we were just like living in this weird little dream life. And I was just deeply, deeply unhappy. And we just wanted totally different things. And we were only together at least for the house. And I was looking around at all these like you know, material stuff and money in my bank account. I was like, I'm drinking every weekend, never seeing my friends because I live in this like place that I don't want to live. Or when I see them, we just go out and get absolutely shit-faced. And it was just like not working. And I, I started pick. I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed. And that, now I think back to it, was like the catalyst with a lot of what went on to happen. And then I read The Happiness Project by um, Gretchen Rubin and all of these little like nuggets and then I read the peaceful warrior and I was just like I am not in a life that is making me happy like I need adventure I need travel I need to be by myself I need to have my own ideas and I think I was realizing slowly that like the system that I was in was just not working serving me at all and actually now I know it doesn't really serve anybody but um yeah, it was a slow burner to get out of that. But now that it's funny when I think back and even my family are like, do you remember when you used to go out with that guy and you used to live here and you used to do that? I'm like, it does feel like a different person. It feels like a different life. So how'd you burn it all to the ground? <laughs> he was away one weekend and I packed my bags and I messaged him to ask him to come home. And I said, I'm leaving. I have to. I mean, we'd obviously been having troubles for like a very long time. And yeah, and then I left. I moved in with my dad again. And then I met this guy on Tinder. And it was a huge whirlwind, like, um, rebound. He was going to Australia traveling. And then I went with him. And it was like a three week, like, traveling experience in Australia and I was like this is awesome like I want to move to Australia then in the new year of what is it 2016 me and this guy's relationship fizzled because it was never really a thing anything anyway and then I had it in my head I was like I'm going to Australia I'm leaving this place I'm going to Australia and I basically handed in my notice and nine months later I 
had a was on a plane to Bangkok and that was like the beginning of a lot of change. <laughs> so you're going to Bangkok. Like I, I it's funny because our timelines kind of match up. Like my life all exploded in January twenty sixteen as well. Um but um how do you feel on the plane? I was really excited and that it was just like I have nothing because but I'd had nine months to say goodbye to everything and to kind of tie up all the loose ends so I was just so excited I had I've never I had never owned so little things in my entire life it's literally like all I could fit in a carry-on backpack and I had I knew a few people that I was going to meet through the joys of Facebook groups um that I was going to meet in the hostel that I was going to stay at and I honestly was just so excited and in my head was like yeah I'm just going to be doing it for two months and then I'll end up back behind a desk in Sydney or wherever I was going to go and then oh how naive yeah so what happened on the trip how'd you how'd you end up not going to Australia so I met my partner, Lucas, and he was very much, he's been a huge part of my journey as well. Um, he had his own like awakening a few years before in Chicago and was, um, has been distancing himself from the system and went through a very intense vegan stage. When I met him, he was really into living in communes and, that, you know, then he's into anarchism and now, uh, you know, permaculture. So he is, he was a real inspiration for showing me that there could be another way. Like it doesn't have to be the way that, of following everybody else, which I already knew, but he was like showing me it, like yeah. he was embodying it. Um, although it was, his ways are very, um, some of them were a little like straight edge and like ways that I necessarily wouldn't follow. It gave me the kind of, when we were together, it just showed me that there was more options and helped me think a bit more outside the box. And he was just a nomad and, and freelance. He still does. And he's like, just buy a laptop. Like, why are you going to go to Australia and sit behind a desk and work for somebody else? Work for yourself, buy a laptop. So in Malaysia, I bought a laptop and I signed up to some freelancing sites and I started working. I was like, wow, this is so cool and easy and I can be my own boss and travel and I don't want to work for anybody else. And yeah, because you already had your content writing experience. So like, yeah, so it was a really easy segue into and then I was like, I never want to go to Australia. Like, what do I want to go to Australia for if I can keep traveling forever and ever and be my own boss and nice. And so how do you move from how do you move from that to your current work? Do you want to right. sum up? So I'll let you define your current work in your own words. Okay. So I find it really difficult to, to box it in, but how I manage to now is, um, so I call myself a women's empowerment educator and a feminine embodiment facilitator. Wow. Um, and it all, I mean, a huge catalyst for that was also my yoga teacher training that I did when I was traveling. My mom's a yoga teacher. So yoga had always been a part of my life um, since I was a teenager. And yeah. that really helped me connect to my body. And I did practice in, in London. And it would really be the thing that in my day would help me drop out of my head of the busyness of expectations and work and to-do lists and 
all the shit that we we have going on and all the pressures that are building up on our shoulders and that hour of being in yoga was just like oh my god I don't think I'm just like in my body so that was a huge yeah that was a huge turning point in um in realizing the importance of the connection to your body and then that what that can allow you and then also stepping into teacher role which I never considered myself a teacher and then as we were traveling I was teaching my partner um to do yoga and it was like a light bulb went off I was like hey this is cool maybe I could teach I'll think about doing yoga teacher training and then through that I got connected to and I met so many incredible women had amazing teachers and it kind of snowballed from that really um I'd always been interested actually in sex and sex education as a kid and I remember I was obsessed with periods when I like when I was probably like nine <laughs> and when we lived in Argentina I would ask mom all the time about her box of tampons I was like mom you have to tell me what's in this box and she'd always be like wait another year you know you're still too young and I was just like fixated on that box of tampons and then it, it was it's only really now that I think back to all the little yeah. parts of the puzzle that all add up but and you know, I, I was always very interested in like sex documentaries and um, yeah, knowing, just knowing everything and being able to speak about everything openly. And, and I think I helped my mom too, because she never had sex ed, especially wasn't talked about with her mom. So she very much had to be the role that I wanted her to be in that mother daughter dynamic yeah. too, because I was like, mommy, there's nothing like I, want to ask you everything apparently once when we were shopping I asked my mom that when mom and dad mommy and daddy when you do it who goes on top like I literally asked that question I don't remember that but she loves to tell me that story is a joke I was just so curious about everything to do with sex and now as I you know then as I grew up I was like wow there's such a lack of education (laughs) around this and such a disconnect with women and their bodies and their sexuality and I have always been a very sexual person. I had my first orgasm in a pool with a noodle by accident when I was probably like nine, around the same age, but I didn't know what it was. And, but I knew that it was like kind of shameful maybe because I didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. And, and then watching the girls grow up around me, I was a late bloomer and I'd be so jealous of their little like boobs and stuff. And I was just like, I want, you know, I want to be this like woman and I want to have breasts and, very much like fill this idea of what a, a mature sexual woman should look like and yeah have been very sexually expressive throughout my my teens and my 20s and you know often not in a very empowered way or yeah. often in not in a in a conscious conscious way yeah using it more to kind of seek validation or to get power over people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now that I work in it more, it's like, oh, I can see the patterns there. I can see why I used to do that. I can see why women still do that. Um, yeah. It's it's a big one. It's a deep one, especially when you grow up in this society where sex is so taboo. It's so... And yet so everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, in, yeah. It, I, 
just got shadow banned off Instagram a few days ago, I found out. And my welcome to the world. Yay. Come on in. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just insane. And I'm like, I have seen some like horrific things on Instagram. Like that is like porn, but 10 times however worse. And then they ban people like you and I for putting empowering content up there in celebration of female bodies, female sexuality. I got in an words educational. Banned. It's I got word literally banned. like words, like just words <gasps> on like no image. I was like, um, okay. Whew. All right. I, I wanna say that I was like, mm, let's unpack this, but really I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> Like the system, this is fucking bullshit. I know. But later on, I was like, let's unpack this. Um, <laughs> and it's that's when you see how much it's needed and how much um, how much the work that each of us do in our little own ways is so fucking important because uh-huh. because like you said, like you see your patterns, you see your past patterns and, and why you did the things that you did um, in a sexual way or non-sexual way or why you might have restrained yourself from certain things. Uh, it, it's because of all the shame and because of all the silence and because of all the lack of information and because of patriarchy. So, uh-huh. you know, at some point it sucks and it's really hard and, and uh, it's discouraging um, to come up against like those speed bumps um, of shadow bands and and other societal like shame and and any other negative feeling attached to anything related to sex, um, but at the same time that's when you're like mm, I see you I'm gonna dig more like, yeah I find you a little sore spot let's see what's under like yeah and. If anything, it's just stoking the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't, okay, you can try and shadow ban me, but I'm just going to be even louder. And it, I mean, it's so frustrating having to play by their rules, like stick a peach over a butt cheek and stuff. It's just insane. But then, you know, to a point, I mean, you have to play their rules if you want to use that platform the way that they intend you to think, yeah, think that you should be using it. But, because it is such an important platform to connect like we have and to use for um, for your business and to spread your message yeah. and for what, for people to be able to find you in times of need and to resonate with the content that you're putting out. And yeah, um, that's why it's just, it's like the persecution times, you know, I really feel this burning of, you know, we're just speaking our truth we're just trying to empower women. We are educating women. We're healers. And we're the ones getting thrown on the fire for it. You know, somebody else puts a picture up of their tits and ass. With no message. And like porn with no message. And it gets through and they get like, a, you know, a million likes. And, and I think we get, this is yeah. the thing. This is where patriarchy comes into play. If you're selling the underwear that you're wearing or if you're selling something that might profit the white cis men at power in power, then that's fine. Yeah. You know? Um, but just going back to the shift, um, like in your own personal story to, mm-hmm. to, to doing that work, how do you go from like turning it f- from a sort of personal aha moment of just like shit 
this is the stuff that I want to focus on to this is a practice and a business. Um, mm-hmm. How does that shift happen in your story? It was gradual. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't an overnight thing. I did start with the, the yoga teaching and then I moved into facilitating uh, sister circles in the community. And then I held them every full moon um, it, when I used to live in Costa Rica. And that was really incredible uh, to hold space for women in the community. Tourists would sometimes drop in, you know, it would just, it would just spread and we had a, a, you know, big full groups and that was kind of a real eye opener in like, whoa, we really need to have these spaces where women can come together and talk. And I used to theme them. And so I would kind of talk about or have discussions around things like uh, reclaiming the word witch or, you know, the wild woman was a big one. Um, talking about, you know, the importance of sisterhood, you know, things to really get the cogs turning in people's heads to think back to how it used to be in the past and how disconnected from that we are now in this world that we live in and how important it is to have that safety net of of other women and women around you to support you and also the knowledge of women that are going through things like you are and we aren't alone um so that was huge and then when we decided to leave Costa Rica I was like well how can I kind of package all of that online because again we were going to be moving and my community was going to be changing and then in that period I was doing a feminine embodiment coaching certification and kind of like amalgamated them all in together and kind of created my own blend of the story and path that I have and had been on which you can only really ever teach from what you've gone through yourself I believe you know it's only you can read theory in a book but it's like embodied practice is is the kind of the real message when you can sit down with somebody and be like yeah I've fucking been there yeah (laughs) it sucked and like this is how it can be better or this is how you can get through it you know I Um, love I love following other um coaches and like teachers on my Instagram or people who've been on the podcast where they're like what you think enlightenment looks like it's like this beautiful like ah you know and it's it's like what I'm what what uh, enlightenment actually looks like. And it's like this person drowning, be like, no, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. don't want any of this. <laughs> it's so true. It's, <laughs> and like, that's a huge thing in, in our world now is like, there's such an emphasis on ascension, on meditation, yeah. on, you know, working with your upper chakras and connecting with the divine and, you know, that's still keeping you in the masculine realm. That's still head up. You know, we really want to drop down from the shoulders, down into the feminine, into the body, into the feeling, into the emotions. And we can only do that when we connect through our bodies. And especially when we have a connection to our womb space and to our pussy. And like, that is massive. And so my work, and we're a huge you know, aha moment came in was that I was like, I never really was able to sit still enough to meditate. You know, my meditation came through movement always through yoga. That was kind of my main one. And then really specifically, I think over the last two years, it kind of came through movement and dance. Um, 
And that was a huge anchor for me to be like, oh, this is feminine embodiment. This is the feminine, you know, tapping into your sex center, like moving your hips, closing your eyes and just letting yourself be moved from the inside out through this intuitive movement and letting yourself express and move through feelings like that's that's so healing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you can only talk about so much. It still keeps you in the, in the, the masculine. And when I say that, I don't mean like in the manly side, I mean like in the logic head and the, in the head and the logic brain and the, in the theory, but we want to be down in the feeling and the senses and, and then the emotions. And yeah, it was, I mean, really it was all through like personal experience that it kind of, showed me like oh I know how to package all this together because I have a teaching background and I've done the coaching certification and I've because of my own life experiences and it just felt very natural and also very accidental in the way that they all came together yeah um yeah so what do you what do you offer now what does your what do your services look like? My services. It sounds very <laughs> sexual. Um, <laughs> and also very sort of um, office-y, corporate Yeah. <laughs> Hello, these are my services. Um, so my services. So I run a six-week group program called The Wild Feminine Way, which just uh, is about to finish. But there will be a new one in March. And that is a really good, fun, juicy container for women to get together in sisterhood and flow through a structure. This is the the dance between the masculine and the feminine to really take you through owning what it is you want, stepping up and claiming your wants, needs, and desires, clearing out all the bullshit that's in the way of helping you, of you achieving those needs, wants, and desires, connecting you back in with your body, helping you honor the sacred vessel that is your body, because so often we choose life choices that aren't very beneficial for the way that we actually need to show up. You know, if... We can't do anything if our physical and energetic body is a little fusty. You know, we need it. To, we ideally would like it to be balanced. Yeah. Um, and two of my favorite modules, which are about pleasure and pussy and the menstrual cycle and really how to harness those energies as we cycle through each season as a woman. And if you don't bleed, then using the energies of the moon so that you can fully step into your power and be like, yeah, fuck you, patriarchy. I know, I know what I'm about now. I know yeah. how to get shit done. That's awesome. So that's one thing. Yeah, so that's the group program. And then I also offer a three-month mentorship program one-on-one, which is a really juicy, deep dive with the woman who is really ready to rise. And, yeah, not for the faint-hearted, because a lot of people... You know, it's all good and well having one-on-one sessions, but you only really get to scratch the surface. And then after an hour, both of you are kind of like left wanting more. And so the beauty of a three-month program is that you have a quarter of a year to make huge shifts and huge changes because it all starts with unlearning 
You know, we have so many layers of lies and bullshit that we learn. You know, we, we start coming out of the womb like a fresh little bud. And then slowly each year, each day, we start learning all of these conditions to our being. Yeah. So really working with the wild woman who is like my guiding force is like, no, let's just go back to the woman we were born to be, you know, listening to your true nature, to the, your inner rhythms to your inner cycle your your emotions and embracing the chaos and the unknown which is what the feminine is you know stop trying to fit us into this tidy little box that everybody wants us to be it's like we can't yeah we're, it's so we're funny. too much. It's it's so funny hearing you say those words because I'm like I, I went from like super seriously listening to like this like wicked little grin while you were talking because I remember distinctively and I think it's in my book in in like this like one sentence like aha thing where I was like what if because everyone's like oh my god how'd you like quit your job and move and blah 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 how how'd you make that scary jump I'm like "Mm, the scary jump is not that for me my body is not scared of that my body's not scared of chaos of the unknown that is where I thrive my body's scared of mortgages (laughs) rent and year-long commitments my body's like what the fuck (laughs) yeah I have to do this what does this mean I don't want what if I don't want to (laughs) like what if I change my mind and I think we're conditioned into thinking that chaos is scary you know because of that logic Mm rules conditioning this is how you do things and as soon as you start to be and I think that's why a lot of people who get to those conclusions are travelers because you kind of like have to by default be like oh fuck okay I don't get the accommodation I thought I was gonna get what do I do like what's the you don't have your usual safety nets that you rely on in your everyday life if you're someone with a routine and so it's just easier when you're on the road to come to those moments of just huh, I can actually work with this. Like, yeah. look how look how good I've done. You know, it's it's like more visible. Yeah, when that's you get a really interesting point. Yeah. Out of like a, ooh, shit, what now? <laughs> yeah. And um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's really hard. It's easy to see that surface layer, but then there's so much more and more and more and more as you go. Mm-hmm. Of all of that, like, hmm. Yeah. What if I undo this thing that I thought was necessary? Yeah. And I see that a lot being non-monogamous. Of just being mm-hmm. like oh, being like, "Oh, I'm in an open relationship." And people being like, "Whoa." Yeah. What? <laughs> so how does it work? I don't know. It's like I, it works the way we decide that it works whenever we decide that it works yeah. that way. And if that way doesn't work anymore, we decide another way. And it's like Mm, I don't know what to do with that. Like everyone's yeah. face is just like, mm, that seems like there's no rules. <laughs> like, I, I was just going to say people love rules. Yeah. And they, they don't understand anything that if, if it doesn't have rules in it, it's, you know, just chaos. Uh, yeah. Off, offering people this, uh, tell people that they should learn how to trust. It's like mind blowing. Like trust, trust in what? What do you mean trust? Can't see it. You know, they want something tangible to trust in. It's like, what do you trust in yourself or the universe or just allow what will be to will be. be? Yeah, and they're like, but how will it be? And when will it be? And what will it look like when it will be? <laughs> and it's it that that's a huge thing to kind of help 
support people with is just like just trust in yourself too you know you're so much more capable than you think you are but especially women were taught not to feel capable you know we're taught to be reliant on other people on men or masculine um essence humans um and a lot of obviously in this patriarchal world that we live in a lot of the world is set up to keep us submissive and disempowered and so their unlearning is so important for women to kind of remember that we are powerful beyond words. Yeah. But allowing somebody to find that out for themselves is really scary because like, well, you know, talking about like sexuality, it's like, well, I have one partner and, and it's okay. And I'm, I'm settling and I'm safe. Like, well, you could have multiple partners or you could experiment or you could have, have no partners. Ever, have no partners and you know there are options and talking about like self-pleasure and you know other ways of pleasure doesn't have to you know it's just like expanding your mind to it's not just like one size fits all it's not just one way there are so many options if you just are willing to try and kind of step away from the status quo and the norm yeah absolutely what was the most surprising thing that you've taken out of um starting your either six week long group things or your three month coaching sessions like how what was the thing that you didn't expect that was like oh shit this it always brings up shit in you (laughs) yeah and it's like you always find people who and i put something up about this today it's like do you know do i trigger you and are in the triggers lie healing and you know we're constantly triggered if you pretend that you're not triggered you're lying you know we're always triggered by things and and it's going to be an ongoing journey it's not like oh I'm a coach now and I'm like healed all my shit's done it's like no I'm always going to be meeting new people who will be showing me something different about myself that's still a little open wound and so it's interesting when you talk to women who bring you issues or, I don't know, experiences in their life that may reflect back onto me. And it's like, oh, ouch. And like, I don't like how that felt. But then, you know, you have to come at it through this embodied resonance of coach. And obviously I'm giving, providing the tools for her to have for her own journey too. But equally, I'm u- using the tools for myself as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it is amazing. And I do, I've been working a lot with Tantra recently and um, that's like freaking therapy every time you go to a, like a, we have a little Tantra, Tantra practice group and oh my God, it's just like every three hours I feel like I've healed like four years worth of stuff, of new <laughs> stuff. It's so powerful, you know, when you really take the time to just be vulnerable and really open your heart and trust in somebody to hold space for you and just trust yourself as you're going through the process that this is for the highest good of myself this is for the highest good of others you know and that's what it always comes down to that when we're doing this work it's not for me to big myself up and be like cool I've like managed to like help all these women it's like no I'm 
helping these women so that we can help all the women so they can go help other women so that we can help raise the consciousness of this planet and bring a balance back and save, you know, the state of the earth that's like slowly crumbling. It's not, you know, everything we do is to help all sentient beings. And that's why we need to do the work. It's not just for ego self. It's not just for me and my immediate family and friends. It's because it will ripple out like exponentially to everybody that we meet and everybody that we don't meet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And I, I'm kind of like lost for words. Cause that's, that's it. Like, I think it's, it's interesting how it always seems to boil down to community mm-hmm. in, in like an interpersonal way. And in like, um, none of this work is an Island. You know what I mean? None of this work is, None of your biggest things that you discover happen by yourself. Like, there, there's not... Maybe you reflected on it by yourself, and you were, like, alone when, when, when it clicked, but, but it usually clicks because of other people, because of other experiences, because of you being open to hear or see or feel externally, like, sent emotions, you know? And so I think that it's... Um, interesting how people it's interesting how in the modern western world we see all these like self-help books and all this shit that you, you just like you have to do it on your own and you have to do it secretively and nobody can know yeah. and this is like blah, blah blah or if you go to therapy it's just between you and your therapist and everything is secret it's like yeah I see I see I see why it's like that but also I find that the more I go down this road of of exploring people and stories the more that's not where the biggest change happens mm-hmm. like it's useful and it's necessary but also remember that that it's it's all part of the story and it comes back to the wild woman archetype of like the myth talking and the and the sisterhood and the meanings oh of God. just generally having other bodies with you and the the group experience of yeah of breaking down lessons quote unquote that you've been given yeah. you know and it's just, yeah, it's it's bringing back this and this community and feeling like you're not alone. Like in our world, where we're taught like independence is everything. We leave home as early as we can. We all have studio apartments, and we cut ourselves off from from everyone else. And we wonder why we're lonely when we live in like huge big cities full of people. And it's because you know we lack this the community we lack being around our family we like what the importance of what that means you know we don't have elders teaching us the ways of the past anymore we're reteaching ourselves it, you know we're we're learning about the ancient ways again and you know that is why sisterhood and these sister circles and now men's circles cropping up are so important because we're real we're remembering just like oh we aren't in it alone you know, the lady two seats next to me is going through the exact same thing as I am. Let's connect afterwards and maybe we could go for a cup of coffee or, you know, rather than have these superficial talks over coffee or a glass of wine or let's go get our nails done together and just chat about shit or our boyfriends. Like, how about we actually talk about what matters and actually talk about our feelings and, you know, allow ourselves to cry in front of somebody and have space held for us because we're kind of walking around like little robots, like super disconnected from ourselves, super disconnected from other people. And, you know, that's really what I, what I realized when I was in London was just 
I had no idea uh, who I was, who I was connected to. I had zero connection to my womb and what that meant as a woman. I mean, because I was interested in it as a kid, it was like there. Mm-hmm. And I was still fascinated by that part of my body. But I was like, it was very uh, much just for like sexual purposes or blaming my period for my crabbiness at that time of month. There was no real understanding because of this huge disconnect and all the people around me were just as disconnected as I was. And yeah, it just, it takes just one person to set up a circle or one person to just call in a group of friends and have a cup of tea and just talk about something else other than yeah, what's on TV or <laughs> something. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's subtly there and it's there in, in certain times. And I think that's also why we romanticize periods of life, like, you know, college and stuff. Cause you are sort of all together and there is this like group dynamic of like, you're all in the same shed, you're all at university and you all have a lot of free time. So you all hang out together because that's the thing and you're not at home anymore. So you can hang out with your friends and it's exciting. And the more you get into like the corporate or older recipe that you've been given of life the more you disengage with that and I think that a lot of the nostalgia that I see within my friends who are walking that walk of climbing up a ladder and and climbing up the real estate ladder the more I see remember when we used to hang out that was so nice and I was like yeah wasn't it that was nice right when we actually like had the practice and the habit of sitting together in silence or not or calling each other to hang out when we were sad when we were crying when we didn't understand what was going on when such and such broke our hearts after like two non-dates you know like that (laughs) that was that was part of like the learning that we only like fit into that box and then let it go because of the narrative that we've been given but i think it i think we see it we we taste it Mm-hmm. And then somehow get lost again in the system where yeah that isn't we're told to get married and have babies and all your friends kind of fall by the wayside because you're stepping into a role of mother now like sacrificing mother like you yeah. can have both and it all you know it's or neither of, you know like... or neither <laughs> yeah just and I I think, you know, a lot of how we view the, fe- how the feminine wounding it plays out is just, yeah, playing these roles that society wants us to, being the sacrificing mother, you know, losing touch with your sexuality because sexual, a sexual woman is too dangerous slash a slut. Yeah. And, you know, we get hemmed into these roles that don't fit, but then we're happy to take them on because we're too afraid to do otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And again, um, that, that fear can only be dispelled by, in my opinion, other women, like the presence of other or other people who encourage you to go down. Sorry for yeah. gendering there, but other people who are also in the in the questioning phase, in the unlearning phase, in the, mm-hmm. in the, wait a minute, why does that tingle in my belly, you know? <laughs> like, where is this coming from of just, yeah. like, blocking it? But, yeah. Anyhow, we're coming to an end because attention spams and all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, would, um, what would be your parting words And that what is a thing that you wish you heard more, that wish you knew, or that, wish, that you wish people would say more? Ooh, that's a good one. 
I wish that women could really just take the time to just close their eyes, focus on their breath, and just drop into their body. Just like once or twice a day. And just listen for the subtle messages, the wisdom, the energies to just speak to them. You know, just to drop down from the mind where all the lies spin, all the chatter, all the distractions, and just listen to what is happening in your body because that is where you will learn so much. And that is like the first step on the way to an empowered and an embodied life. And from there, it's like you literally all the doors will open. That's what I would say. That's a good one. And it takes practice and it's sometimes you really don't want to do it. And sometimes you may get little whispers that you don't want to hear, but (laughs) (laughs) But that's part of it. (laughs) it. Yeah. It starts to build up that trust in your body. And that's really, I think where it starts. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming to speak with me. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. This is so fun. I feel like we could talk for hours. Yeah, but that is the point. That is the point. So to anyone listening, if this does make you want to talk for hours with anyone, please go ahead and do that. Yeah. <laughs> you should do that. Go grab a sister and go and talk to them about your feelings and maybe have a cry and it's okay yeah um if you all want to know more about fiona all of the links will be in the description so go and click away um look out for the march session yes march group wild feminine way group session will be open and my one-on-one mentorship is still open for registration. So if you would like to deep dive, then there are a few sacred spots still available. Lovely. Well, thank you so much again. Thank and you, Christine. We'll do this again, I'm sure. Yes. In the meantime, it would be so fun. Yeah. In the meantime, my lovies, um, thank you so much for listening again. I will speak to you next week and um, have yourself some pleasure. <laughs>